legacy means a lot of things to a lot of people. To some, it's lasting integrity. It's building and maintaining a history of greatness. It's making an impact on people and community. For others, it's dependable security and assurance in an uncertain time. To us, it's all of that and more. It's a mindset, a brother and sisterhood of hardworking people dedicated to doing the right thing for you and those you care about. Of growing today for a better tomorrow. That's what legacy means at Southwestern Legacy Insurance Group. What does it mean to you? Let's talk legacy. Welcome to Let's Talk Legacy. I'm Gary Michaels, your host. And today we're so excited to have Eric Weir. And Eric is a speaker and author, as well as principal of WCM Global Wealth, LLC, a financial wealth advisory firm that serves clients ranging from some of the biggest multi-platinum and Grammy-winning recording artists, pop culture celebrities, professional sports icons, to families listed on Forbes, World's Billionaire's List, and others. Quite a list of accomplishments, Eric. And He's also a movie producer, an investor, a real estate developer, and I'm sure as we talk, we'll see he, he's a lot more than that. So welcome to the show. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Let's dig right in. I know that at a very early age, you had to overcome a debilitating stutter that developed from a traumatic accident that you had. Right. Yeah. Do you mind sharing the backstory and any lessons you learned from that? No, I'm happy to. So it was 1972. I was five years old. My mom, brother, and I are going down the road and we get T-boned and spin around and I'm fearful. Uh, we come to a stop and I become very fearful, which is normal. And the police officer uh, on the scene uh, and the ambulance was taken by someone with a stretcher. We got right by the door and they said, you'll stay in the car. My mom said, stay in the car, police officer, because, you know, it makes sense. It's safer than five-year-old cruising around in traffic, going around and, you know, emergency vehicles. But in my mind, I was convinced the car was going to explode at any moment. So the, the seconds or minutes seemed like hours and it really, it, it, it impacted me. I didn't realize that until I got home and I'm asking my parents to pass the potatoes. Only I ask it like, please pa, 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 pass the potatoes. So they thought, hey, maybe this is transitory. He's a little shaken up tonight. It'll get better. But it didn't get better. In fact, it took me two days to tell the teacher my name when I got back to school. So uh, they end up taking me to therapy. And the therapist tells me, you know, life's going to be hard for you. You're going to have to work hard for things, Eric. And you're going to be an amazing, uh, uh, a huge failure because you'll be a recluse. You'll try to not communicate and be a distance from others. Or you can have experienced a lot of success because you will have learned how to overcome obstacles. Right. That was something that ended up being a, a really good starting point. And the quick story that they came up with me was a lemonade stand, like with a lot of kids. And I had a lemonade stand and I had a, I made a sign like a lot of kids do for lemonade. So you know what business you're in. But I wanted to make sure that I had my price on there, which is 50 cents. And when people drive by, uh, I'd hope they wouldn't ask how much it was. I'd just take their money because they could read the sign and we could be like a touchless drive-thru almost. It never happened. They always said, how much is the limit? And then you had to say that was, oh, it was horrible. Yeah. Well, I would point to the sign first and say, you know, and I wouldn't say anything. I'd point to the sign. And I thought, surely this will work. It didn't work one time. They always came back and said, how much is the limit? Second time. And I'm like, it's 50 cents. And when you stutter, F's. E's and W's are really hard. My name's Eric Weirs. So I'm too hard to say. And 50 cents was hard to say. But I learned very quickly that stuttering the 50 cents was terrible at school for being picked on. But I never once got paid 50 cents. I got paid a dollar. I got paid $5. 
So I was just kidding. Oh, that's that's amazing <laughs> because yeah. because people yeah. felt sorry or wanted. To- yeah, man, it was so awesome. And I made like eighty two dollars in nineteen seventy two, which is like at least four hundred bucks now. And my dad got home that day. He goes, "Well, how'd you do today?" I said, "I did great. We sold lemonade. Well, how'd you do?" I said, "Then put the money on like on the table. I made eighty two dollars." And he's like. You may have made more than I did today, you know. So, and then there's so many stories that come from that. How people present themselves in when they're younger, but also when they're older. Man, right. the way you present yourself can make people want to lean into you or support you, or the way you're being. Right? I'm I'm sure that that lesson is that stuck with you all those years, huh? Hundred percent. It stuck with me, and you know whether it was. In real estate, and you know, your story in the book, I talk about you know working at uh, a major investment firm, and back then we would cold call, and you just stutter, and I get hung up on all the time. I was you know bottom of my class, terrible, and then I start going door to door, and I learned very quickly that people don't slam the door on your face when you stutter. <laughs> you know, so next thing you know, you're inside drinking tea. Hey, calm down, it's going to be okay. You know, don't be stressed out, and then they get to know you a little bit, and then I did, did a lot of business. So that uh, it ended up being a blessing. Well, you just mentioned something I was going to bring up later in our conversation about your release of your first book, Who's Eating Your Pie? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's a book I wrote that I've learned so much with so many people over the years. And really, success is a, a group effort. You learn from everybody along the way. And it's it's something I wrote during uh, COVID because I was looking at all the you know dislocations of family, people giving up on dreams, people you know, not really knowing how to get ahead or make change. And I thought, well, I've learned so much of so many people. Why don't I write a book? And uh, that's what I did doing that. And the idea was to give people hope, uh, simple steps to follow where you can make massive change over time, financial things I learned from working with some, you know, very influential, successful people over the years and try to k- k- condense it down into, into one book. And that's who's eating your pie. The idea is for, to have, uh, you know, truly transformative financial advice for, you know, for, 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 for people. If you were to summarize your one or two main points in the book, what would you say that is? I think the first thing I talk about is permission to dream. Give yourself permission to dream again. Because so many people, people just get sad pretty easily. So just give yourself permission to dream, number one. And number two, you really are where you are because of the decisions you've made up until this point. And as long as you blame other people or situations in life, that'll hold you back or cap your potential when you believe to say, you know, the good news and the bad news is I'm here because of my decisions. So that's really a great news because if it's because of your decisions, then you're the one that can make different decisions, do different processes and have a different outcome. But if it's really up to somebody else, then you're kind of a victim. And I think the idea in life is, is making uh, lemonade out of lemons. If you have a stutter, if you have a setback, if you have, you know, you've had bankruptcy or divorce, wherever you happen to be in life, how can you know in what you now know, you know, steep over and and rebuild with maybe even worn out tools in some people's mind and how to be creative, thoughtful and dream and give yourself permission to do so. There's that concept called the law of permission. And that's in so many areas of our life of giving ourselves permission to dream, giving ourselves permission to take feedback, giving ourselves permission to relax. That's the thing. Most of us are so hard on ourselves. We don't give ourselves permission to do anything. Well, what I say in there is the worst person to lie to is yourself, you know, really trying to, to uncap your potential. And I try in the book to talk about having dreams, dreams, and imagine you can't fail. Imagine that if you had a magic wand and you have all the money, resources, education, connections, talents available, what would you do? Right. And then you take a step back and say, well, what pieces am I missing? 
And then you kind of assemble a team that can help accomplish these sort of things. And I go through steps of how to do that very slowly, just you know, making small changes each day so it's not overwhelming. The biggest thing I've noticed in people's lives is we radically overestimate what we can accomplish in a very short period of time. Like, I'm going to lose 20 pounds this month, right? And, and it really ever happens. Or if it does, you don't really stick to it. Right. Just small changes each day. We really massively underestimate how much change we can make over time. Where does someone get your book if they want to read this book? It's available at Barnes and Noble on, on Amazon. Lots of, you know, anywhere books are sold. Probably the best place now is, is Amazon. I understand some of the venues are sold out, but Amazon still has, still has uh, some in stock. Awesome. So now you, you were very fortunate to build your success pretty quickly in life. And from what I understand, you made your first million by the age of 30 years old. Is that right? Yeah, yes. it was a little, a little earlier, but that's right. How were you able to do it so quickly? I mean, a lot of people, it takes a lot longer than 30 years old. Yeah, and it, it's, it's really, you, you put yourself in, in a way to have opportunity. And then if you start thinking, well, I, I, whatever your gifts are, I mean, there are people who are gifted entertainers who have made millions in their teens, right? So they just, that's their gift. They go with it. So wherever your gift is, mine happened to be in a certain area. And I tried to give myself opportunities to have success by leaning into that area, finding mentors, people who had done things in my field, maybe took them to 40 to accomplish what I accomplished, but they were able to give me information. I call that wholesale or retail. So if I can get wholesale information, I can move faster. Retail is I've got to figure it out all by myself. And then that takes longer and is much more difficult. Not that you can attain success, but man, you can go a lot faster if you're borrowing somebody else's experience. So my recommendation to people is find an area of interest and then find somebody in that area who's done it before. And you'll be surprised. Rarely does someone not give you 30 minutes of their time if you approach them. Hey, I'm, I'm in, I really want to admire you, what you've accomplished. Could I take you for coffee? Could I you know, be with you for 30 minutes and kind of, they almost always say yes. And when they do, I tell people, listen, ask a few questions, you know, record the answers or make notes. So when you hit the million dollar mark, a lot of people, God, I've made a million dollars. You know what I mean? It's, it's uh, like a milestone. For some, it's not. Right. Was there a point when you realized, okay, I've hit this point of quote unquote, I'm successful now. Mm-hmm. Now what's my next step? No, no. The first big goal I had was to pay cash for a Mercedes when I was 18. And I did that. And that was the most depressing day I had because I'm driving the car home thinking, is this all there is? I mean, I'm driving this car, I'm looking at it, you know, and I didn't really even want a Mercedes. I just wanted the, you know, the status symbol of, of doing that. I probably would have preferred a Mustang or something. Right. But, and then I realized that it's really not about the money or, or hitting a target. It, it's about enjoying the journey and investing yourself in something you believe in. And then along the way, this has really been helpful. Give back, whether it's you're working at a shelter or you're, you're, you're the mentor for somebody else. And then it just becomes very enjoyable. You're doing something you like. You feel like you're helping other people along the way. You're giving back through charity or through time if you're unable to give back financially. And it, it really sets up what I call the wheel of life, which are the five Fs, which is faith, family, fitness, finance, friends, where our belief system is the center. But if I focus entirely on my wealth or finances and I ignore my health or my family, at some point, my health and my family is going to consume all of my time because I've ignored them, right? You and I are like, it's like we've been in each other's lives. And in one of my books, I have a thing called The Ideal Wheel, and it's got seven parts of your life. And I, and I, and I, I, I talk about it 
And that, you know, if you're rocking in one area and failing in somewhere else, it's like a bicycle wheel. And if right. you were to play, if you rank yourself one to 10 in each of the areas of your life, and one area is a 10 and the bicycle wheel is extremely full of air, but another area is a two, you're going down the life like a bumpy clink, 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 right? 100%, 100%. It's never going to be perfectly balanced. There's going to be times we have to work more, times you have to spend more time with family, time you need to you know, work on your, whatever it is. But just being aware that you've got to, you have certain plates you're spinning, right? And then how do you, how do you pay attention where attention is needed? Right. You've done so many different things from being a movie producer. You're an owner of WTA Media, which I'd like to learn more about that. You're a leader in filmmaking, financing, working with Tim Tebow and can you give us a little bit about how you've gotten so diverse with all these different things? You know, it's kind of like I follow my interest, right? So you end up being either interest peaked, whether it's media or film. That goes back to 2010 where I helped to finance a film and I saw the impact that film had and that film was actually maybe uh, influenced culture. It was above politics. It was above a lot of things from like an idea generation. And you realize that that's probably the only chance you'll have two hours for somebody's not on their cell phone. They're not taking texts. They're, you know, they're literally either eating popcorn or a Coke and you can, you can share what you want to share with somebody in, in that environment. So that was very powerful and I wanted to invest in film and learn more about it. And then through film, I've met a lot of interesting people and through business. So pretty much anytime you have a chance that you do something, you're enthusiastic about it, you love it, you'll have a chance to meet people and you never know when it's going to happen, right? So you meet people and then uh, you, you talk to them and learn from them. And before long, you, you, you can have a very diversified uh, group of experiences and, and, and friendships. And I mean, I love to learn from everybody, who, uh, everybody I meet. Has there been cases where you've heard about somebody through a relationship yet and you've done exactly what you tell us to call them up and say, I'm just really interested in your career and what you're doing? hundred percent. Or I'll be like, what do you like to do? Golf or I like to fit, whatever somebody likes to do. Right. And you're, hey, I'd love to do that with you. It was good golf. Let's have coffee. Usually it starts off with like a coffee. You know, back in the day before, before there, there, there were a Uber, I'd offer airport rides. Hey, I'm a busy guy. Uh, you're, hey, I'll tell you, I'll give you a ride to the airport and, and say the cab fare, come back, talk to you. And I'll give you a ride to the airport. I did that when I was young. And I'd get some, they're like, uh, okay, sure. You know, what kind of car do you have or, you know, whatever, but I would, I would do that. So just whatever makes sense in that situation. Oftentimes somebody, there's a, something like three, three degrees of separation. You probably know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows that person and just kind of ask around And It's, it's really easier than you think to, to meet just about anybody. It is. It really is. I've had many experiences myself. So how did the movie run the race kind of develop with Tim Tebow and you ended up being the executive producer of that? Yeah, so so that was an amazing story of, of a family that had difficulty in the overcoming you know different obstacles through athletics and just an amazing story. And and Tim uh, was 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 behind it. It was of, of great interest to him. And at the same time, um, you know, one of one of the skill sets I did is provide financing for opportunities. And that was something I was able to invest in that film. And through that, I got to meet a lot of interesting people, actors, other producers and things. Uh, but that was it. So it was just an opportunity. You know, you're, you're, you're aware of Tim Tebow, you know, you know him. And uh, due to my ability to structure and find capital for interesting opportunities, and I have a lot of friends who want to, uh, to have impact and invest in things that they feel good about. And when they, when they read the script, like, this is the kind of thing that needs to be made. And I'm like, well, let's get together and see if we can't get this made. And over a period of weeks, we were able to 
find the financing and, you know, be able to develop a structure that was a win-win for everybody. That's awesome. So let's change gears a little bit. You're also an investor in one of my favorite places to go, and that's Top Golf. Oh, I love Top Golf. How did you get involved first with your first five locations and what you're doing now to develop it more? Talk a little bit about that. Well, Top Golf was fun. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I never really heard of it until, you know, I don't know, maybe it's seven or eight years ago now. I was driving through Florida, an appointment canceled. And I would travel with one of my young sons, uh, homeschooling. They kind of come with me. And he's like, well, dad, what's that? And I said, that looks like a driving range or something. It's top golf. So we spun around, you know, went the exit and like, we'll give us a whirl. I mean, I've got like a 12 year old with me. Let's see what we've got. So, uh, we went and played golf and I'm like, you know, did top golf for maybe an hour. And I spent, that's like $130 food, <laughs> beverage, you know, renting time. And I'm like, what a great bit. So I'd love to own one of these. And then I, uh, really just forgot about it. And then Father's Day rolled around a year later, and I'm thinking, what do I want to do? I have, uh, you know, five sons, you know, ranging from pretty young to, you know, a teenage at that time. I'm like, well, let's all go to Top Golf. We drove maybe an hour and a half to go to a Top Golf, and they all loved it. So the late teenager in college enjoyed it as much as the, the really young one. And I'm like, this is a pretty interesting opportunity. And then, uh, then nearby me, they were building one, and, that, and I heard that they were, uh, they were changing the way that they fund them. One company provided all the financing, so there was a need to find financing. So I called the executive team and asked if I could come and meet with them and make a proposal. And they said yes. So I offered to finance everyone in the entire world. Then they asked me, uh, well, how much money do you have now? And I'm like, now? Not even a dollar. <laughs> and then they, then I said, well, it's actually better for you. It's better to have one person do this than many because, just, you know, then Anywhere in the world, I, somebody can come through me and I can help gather capital. And, and then they laughed and one guy pounded the table and says, I like that guy. He's, you know, I like that guy. And then they ended up giving me and my partners. It certainly wasn't a solo effort. I had people help. Give us the first one we did in, uh, in uh, Doral, Florida. The second one, Far Texas. Third, Tampa Bay. And then Seattle, Boston. And then over time, we met other, uh, other people in other parts of the world who are building them. And, and now we're, we're, we've been able to source capital and find partners in Europe where we're building uh, top golfs in Europe currently. Sweet. That's really cool. So you serve as principal of WCM Global Wealth. Tell me a little bit about your company. Yeah, it's a firm that, that, that basically it manages money and invests in either marketable investments, which are like, you know, stocks or bonds, and also invest in alternative investments, which is kind of like the top golf or things of that nature, physical real estate, films. And uh, we work with, uh, with with generally people that have an affinity toward in, investing in, in those sort of things, either investing for impact or investing in transformative uh, product. And then we work with, help them think about mission, vision, legacy, impact, and how to align their capital and their goals, both through investing and also maybe through thinking and taking a step back, thinking about their five apps and thinking about what do they want to do? And do they want to be fulfilling, uh, give money back and be philanthropic? So not everybody who uses our service uh, even invest with us. You know, some people just want to talk about structure and strategy and, and things that I've mentioned, and others are more interested in, in actual investing. Got it. What brings you the most joy right now in your life? Um, seeing people open their eyes and realize they have a lot more potential than they thought. What I've found in my own life and, and trying to help others is that, you know, that the gratitude and anxiety, they can't coexist. So if you can learn to find things to be grateful for, your anxiety level really drops down. And is there anything you're grateful for? What are you grateful for today? Really in life, 
to the extent we can find things to be grateful for and be, be grateful, it, it gives us the ability to dream. It gives us the ability to uh, have a lot less stress in our life because we all have things that are going well in our life. We all have things we should be grateful for. And we all have things that are challenging or are even having setbacks, you know, currently. And I call it parallel tracks. There's, it's never everything's going great. It's never everything's really going bad at the same time. It may feel like it, but it's never really exclusively that. And then how can you in life know when you're going to have setbacks, ups and downs, spend more time seeking gratitude and less time uh, experiencing anxiety? I mean, I, I just wrote that down. Gratitude and anxiety can't exist together. That's huge. It's revolutionary and it's, and it's something I've just kind of learned over time and talked to people, but it's, it's true. If you think in your own life, you know, when you're, you're grateful, your anxiety level goes to zero and, but anxiety tries to come back. <laughs> you know, so you've, you've got to really be aggressive and over time you just get like, you get better at expressing and enjoying gratitude for longer periods of time. I told my kids, if you're somebody that's enjoyable, that complimentary, uh, truly happy in your own skin. Uh, it's surprising how many people want to spend time with you because they don't run across that that often. Right. So how is legacy to you a self-perpetuating tool? So we all, and you know, it's, it's a word we've all heard legacy. Another word I like to, I like to package with is impact. And what I tell people is you're going to leave a legacy and an impact when you leave this earth, hundred percent. And you're actually leaving it right now. You know, so we all have a legacy and an impact. The only question is, do you want to think about what legacy and impact you leave? And we all make mistakes. We all, we all, we wish we had a do-over button, but how do you, knowing what you now know, you know, be purposeful about what kind of legacy you want to leave? What kind of impact do you want to have with the time you have left? And I had somebody tell me as a young kid, hey, write your epitaph today, which was, what do you want on your tombstone? Who do you want to be? And then live to be that person. You know, more often than not, you're going to have setbacks and make mistakes. And But how do you how do you live to be that person more often than not so you can leave the legacy and the impact that you hope to leave behind? There's a funny story I tell in my book about this this woman who that more of the pastor describes her husband, the more anxiety she experiences, begins to weep and cry more and more and more. And, and the guy was just going on about what a great and thoughtful husband and, you know, charitable person and kind and loving and it was so overwhelming, her tears, that he stopped the services. Man, I, I mean, we're sorry such a wonderful person has passed, but, you know, we got to get through the service. She goes, it's not that. She goes, I'm wondering who you're burying. <laughs> and if I'm at the wrong gravesite. <laughs> That's funny. That's yeah. funny. So, so it's like, you know, how do we, you know, you know, focus and try to be that person? So very direct question to you. What's your legacy? Yeah. So what I want to, I want to do is, is try to equip my children to live lives where they impact people, uh, impact culture, and they're able to be self-sustaining. So that, that, that's one thing. And, and recognize that, you know, to, to, to live a life to, you know, to honor their beliefs and be, be faithful and true to those and help other people along the way. So for me, that can manifest itself in, in trying to, you know, leave assets behind in certain areas to help with education, to, help single moms to go work in a shelter because, you know, what? sometimes people who are listening to this podcast may say, I don't have any money. I can't do anything. One of the most amazing days I had in my entire life was volunteering on Thanksgiving at a shelter. And I was so disappointed I couldn't serve food because everybody was already there to do that. So I ended up going to the basement and sorting clothes. And then I met three of the most interesting people who I guess also got there late for sorting clothes, had amazing conversations. And at the end of it, I'm like, 
we all have problems. They all have, you know, they, some had marital issues, some had kid issues, some had job issues, some had whatever, but the camaraderie of realizing that life is a struggle. It's hard. Then how can we go and give back to somebody who's less fortunate than us? And somehow you leave feeling better that you're not alone in this. There are people here sorting clothes and they're elated that they get a jacket when it's cold outside. And my goodness, this has answered my prayers. I'm so grateful. And you leave thinking, you know, I've got a lot to be thankful for. I've got a jacket. Are you sure I have problems in relationships or business or finances, but I've got a jacket. And this person is so excited just to get a It's like they won the lottery. And it just creates perspective. And it's just like, how can you divorce yourself from your own anxiety when we're so in America, so blessed as a rule? And if we can ever get that in our heads, I think we'll the, the, and I say this too, your altitude in life will only be limited by your attitude. You know, we're in the, the insurance business here at Southwestern Legacy, and we do everything from final expense life insurance all the way up to big life insurances with term policies, mortgage protection, annuities, the whole thing. A lot of what we do, we're working with the underprivileged. We're working with the lower socioeconomic people sure. that still want life insurance. They're normal people, just like the wealthy people. They're people that have integrity. They're people that don't want to burden their kids. Right. And often I see in our society, we get in an area where we're comfortable with people that are like us, both with financial revenues and, and also jobs and whatnot. And it really does make a difference to serve others, doesn't it? That aren't like us. Oh, it's so, it's so true. It's so true. And it just makes life much more full and, and just, just a, a better all, all the way around. And, and, and you have learned, I mean, I've learned lessons from everybody. If you're always looking for opportunity, and looking at what you can learn from somebody, it's a good place to be. So and you can learn, you know, both affirmative and negative. Somebody made some mistakes. You can learn from that too. You haven't repeated, but oh, well, that was a mistake or people do things well. It's, it's just a, uh, there, there's, it, if you view life like a buffet and you can meet people who are flawed, but all also have redemptive and great qualities and you can, you know, not, you know, judge them for their flawed areas. And this and celebrate and enjoy and learn from them in the areas that they succeed, then the world is truly your oyster for education because you can learn from just about everybody. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. I'm going to get your book for sure. How would people get in touch with you to ask questions about WCM Global Wealth or just to pick your brain? Like you were saying, people call me, I want to help them. How, how can people reach you if they have yeah, questions? Yeah, I'm happy to. So, but my email is eric, E-R-I-K at ericweir.com, E-R-I-K-W-E-I-R.com. Or just go to ericweir.com, E-R-I-K-W-E-I-R.com and in contact as well. Well, good luck in the rest of your business. Just so glad you gave us the time today. It's my pleasure. If you've enjoyed today's podcast and want to learn more, visit us at southwesternlegacy.com. Shoot us an email via our easy contact form to find out how you can become an agent or how we can meet your needs for final expense coverage. You can find this and other episodes at letstalklegacypod.com on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Let's Talk Legacy is a presentation of the Southwestern Legacy Insurance Group, a member of Southwestern Family of Companies.